This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hey, thanks for listening to Dirt and Sprague On Demand, a Service Patriots podcast. Service Patriots is your home comfort solution for all your heating and air conditioning needs. Check out the latest special offers for our listeners at servicepatriots.com slash the fan. Oh, I tell you, Jennifer, she is she is really a party pooper. This is Dirt and Sprague. Jennifer poops at parties. So she poops at parties so so and people know this. With Andy Dirt Johnson and Brandon Sprague. I, I poop at parties. I poop at parties, but people don't know because I close the door. Dirt and Sprague on 1080. Where where do she go for it? Does she does she visit a water closet and make door of the open so people may see and smell things? This sound horrible. The fan. Alright, welcome back in. Hour number two, Dirt and Sprague here on Portland Sports Leader 1080. The Fan, the Odyssey app, 99.5 HD2, and of course, the beloved YouTube.com backslash 1080 The Fan, the Vancouver Ford text line. It's 503-864-6326. They treat you right before, during, and after the sale. Visit them at VancouverFord.com. And if you missed the first hour of the show, the Service Patriots podcast can be found at 1080TheFan.com. Check out the latest special offers for our listeners at ServicePatriots.com slash 1080 the fan boom we will get into oregon state and what the hell happened there in the desert uh but i want to start the second hour i got a poll question up actually going up we're not going to talk about it now but are you freaking out about scoot henderson his first three games he's <laughs> averaging seven points two rebounds three assists on 33 percent field goal percentage and 8.2 percent three-point percentage <laughs> i think the answer to that is a collective yes blazer fans are definitely freaking out about scoot henderson i was surprised that i had four different people text me yesterday are you concerned <laughs> the fade blazers by the way undefeated fade blazers the fade blazers the fade are blazers. undefeated three games into the season yes sir they are good morning to joey who came in here early bright and early our digital guru and swigard over there handling the business for the youtube stream to be up so thank you guys well for working your ass off well done boys we well always done. appreciate that well done um let's start the second hour boy your team's responded to a loss pretty well they have bob they aggressively they look pretty good this weekend they did they um they have all the the makings of a team that looks like they're going to run through the schedule. There's a vibe there. It feels really good right now. I, I maintain that was your hardest game left on your schedule, mainly because of where you're playing people the rest of the way. USC at home, Oregon State at home, those are no doubt your toughest games. Well, and then also how one of those teams looks and how the other team doesn't know how to play on the road. Yeah, I mean, Oregon State just can't win games on the road right now, and USC is a dumpster fire defensively that will not be able to stop Oregon under any way, shape, or form. And so that game being at Austin, I think there's a level of confidence there. And the other aspect of this, like there was a, there was a moment in that game that I thought will sum up kind of how the last month of the year goes for Oregon. 
And a lot of people had probably turned the game off by this point. Oregon was up 35-6 to in the fourth quarter. They eventually put Ty Thompson and the rest of the backups in. But early on in the fourth quarter, they had a couple of drives that were really clunky at the end of that game. Some false start procedural penalties, uh, guys running wrong routes. Like they're just there was it was a distracted team up 35 to 6. Like this thing's over. And you know how Bo Nix was handling it? He was screaming at guys. I like, saw him scream at Bucky Irving late. He ran a wrong route. Yeah. He, he cut out instead yeah, of cutting, cutting in, in and yeah. both threw the ball into the ground. And he's screaming at the top of his lungs. He's yelling at his offensive line because they kept having procedural, just not paying attention, false start. And it kept that game from probably being an uglier final score than it could have been. Because Oregon, I don't believe, scored at the after the, the first two touchdowns in the third quarter. I don't think they scored again the rest of the game. I have a theory on that. Okay. Well, I just, I thought it was, I, I think that sums up where the mentality is of the the leader inside your locker room of demanding perfection. And even though you're up 35-6 to six late in the third quarter, this game is over. Most people have turned it off by now. Hell, Joel and Gus Johnson are doing conference realignment conversations on the broadcast yeah. about all the great matchups we're going to get because there's nothing to talk about on the field. Your quarterback is yelling at his offensive lineman for jumping off sides, and that's the standard that he has. I, I, have, a, I have a theory that coaches have certain other coaches they have a ton of respect for, and so they don't go out of their way to embarrass them. They definitely have a lot of respect for Kyle Whittingham. And Kyle Whittingham has maybe the most respect of any coach in this conference, given what his track record is. This this also happens to service schools, academy schools, uh, except LSU. When they play Army, they've got to win 55 <laughs> to nothing. Go but most people lay off the wood on the, uh, the the service academies and coaches they respect. That's kind of my theory because otherwise, yeah, Oregon should have won that game 50 to 6. I think part of it was they got they just stopped. Like they got distracted too. There was a lot of really dumb penalties and just stupid mistakes that were made in a game that get made when you're up 35 to 6. And I love to see a quarterback that's yelling at his guys that we got to finish and that's the standard and you got to set it at a, at a really high level. I'm not one that particularly subscribes to Bo Nick's Heisman stuff. That's I fair. think uh just as easily a week ago we were like Bucky Irving, Bucky Irving, Bucky Irving and then mm-hmm. Bo Nix has a great day so it's just like a back and forth mm-hmm. kind of cancel each other out thing and as good as they looked they were humming offensively I, I I didn't have a lot of expectation for Utah offensively I think we talked about that it was one of the reasons you I swag just kind of were like yeah Ducks minus six feels like free money in a way I expected a one-dimensional offense to be somewhat slowed down mm-hmm. but my god I mean they just they physically just dominated the living hell out of yep. Utah. Utah yep. could not run the ball to save their lives. The safety turned running back wasn't a story this weekend. Nope. The pig farmer might be going back to the pig farm to go work <laughs> on the old ranch. Like, nothing Utah tried to do worked at all at any one point. Nope. The best they could do were two field goals. The defense to me, even though it, it became Bo Nix nationally, the defense to me especially with that stud in the middle, Brandon Dorless. I just, it's terrifying to watch that defense. And it's the one thing, like you hate the jokes about the Civil War, mm-hmm. the 19 straight runs. I tagged you on Instagram and jokingly made fun of you for it. But I, I do think like it ended up being what you mentioned about the Washington game, a great loss. Because yeah, it hurts in the moment to blow that lead. But Lanning went to the locker room and was like, I will never be embarrassed like this on the defensive line again. Yeah. And I will be stunned if any team does that to Oregon this year and maybe even next year. The way he has built that defensive line uh, with Mateo coming in as a freshman and getting a ton of snaps. Obviously, they rotate these guys, but you've got Dorless, you've got Birch. I just, I, my takeaway was as unimpressed with Utah's offense as I was going in, I was still walking away going, 
damn, that Oregon defense, man. That's still an offensive line that is healthy. Of all the injury notes that Utah has, their offensive line has gotten healthier as the year has gone on. And they're a team that can run the football. And that's that's Utah's calling card. And to completely dominate them in the first half and to not allow them to run the ball with any success at all. They only had one run the entire game longer of 10 yards. It, it was it was even eye-opening for me. I wasn't surprised in the least that Oregon won the game, and I had people tweeting over, like, oh, come on, Utah's not even that good. It's like, I love how we play that game immediately after the, the final score, when all week it's like, I don't know, Utah's going to push them, and now they're not any good. But the, the reality is I think people were, were surprised by how dominating the win ultimately ended up being. I wasn't surprised that Oregon won. It was the way in which they won. And there, there's a really good feeling of hiring a coach. I think Oregon State has gone through this. I know you guys aren't high on your guy today. You're wearing a clown mask, and we'll get to that game. Uh, we'll talk about it, but yeah. Sure, but there, there's an aspect of like hiring a guy, understanding what his, his focal point and his strength is going to be, and seeing your team slowly turn into that and be like, man, he's a good offensive mind. He's going to run the football. The the strategy behind it, like it's going to be really sound and solid, and it's it's paying dividends. Oregon hired a defensive coach, and there were times last year where you felt like, did you hire a defensive coach? Hey, I thought Dan Lanning was supposed to be a national champion. Why can't you stop anybody? And it's like, well, it's 50-50, right? you got to have the scheme, but you also have to have Jimmy's and Joe's if you want to execute at a high level. And Oregon went about getting Jimmy's and Joe's. What they did in the portal in the offseason was remarkable. They added basically an entire starting secondary. Tysheem Johnson is another one of the transfers that we don't ever talk about. He had two picks in this game. Both of them are incredible plays. One of them down along the ground and did a great job holding that ball. Kyrie Jackson's been great. Birch has been great. Nico Reed's been great. Justin Jacobs has now went like that is almost an entire starting defense that they found in the portal while also backfilling through recruiting. You mentioned the freshman uh, Tuioti. You have Mateo. You have Blake Purchase who had a great edge rush in that game. Like It's a great balance of guys that were brought in to win now while also young players that are allowed the chance to, to be depth pieces and play and develop as the year goes on. Yeah. And to see a head coach who is in a year gone from being a, a, a bit of a nightmare defensively when you look at the metrics for Oregon last year outside the top 100 in some pretty key, ca- key categories, the 19 straight runs against Oregon State to now being one of the best defenses statistically in the country into allowing or holding, I should say, three different Pac-12 opponents without a touchdown. It's remarkable the progress and the growth that they have shown, and it's also really exciting to then connect that dot to where they're going in the future because Oregon currently uh, in recruiting in 2024 has more blue-chip defensive recruits than any other school in the country. I think it's clear we can take away from Dan Lanning. No matter how people feel about Dan Lanning, if they trust Dan Lanning to win the big game, if they think Oregon's going to run the table here now, I think the one thing that's evident to everybody or anybody paying attention He's building it. He's doing the SEC thing. Yeah, I want to be like, big and physical up front on defense. Mario, That's how we're going to win. Mario was doing that, and his offensive lines were good, but like some of his defensive guys ended up being massively overrated. Like yes. Jordan Scott. Oh, my God, he's so big. And he had a good freshman impact. You didn't really hear much from Jordan Scott after the first season. It was kind of gimmicky, like, oh, he's just a really big kid. Justin Flo was the highest-rated yes. linebacker recruit in Oregon history. How many times did you hear his name called Saturday night? Well, yeah, he was somebody <laughs> that I was like, hey, can we pick on him a little bit? But He blitzed to one side. He just was like ears pinned back, blitzed to the right, and I started laughing because you could see him gearing up for a blitz. Oh, yeah. Oregon State literally ran the ball the other direction for like a 17-yard yes. gain, and he was blitzing between the two tackles on the other side. But Mario came from that same thing where I, I saw a clip yesterday where Taj Lapoy did a sit-down interview with some dude on some show mm-hmm. and he he basically talked about how Dan Lanning got him to come to Oregon to be the D coordinator and how he was happy at Jacksonville and 
he got his roots from Bama with Saban, and then he goes to Georgia with Kirby Smart. And LePoy just talks about his ability, how he could identify things, even as like a GA. Mm-hmm. And I think it's clear to see, like, Mario wants to build his football teams that way, but Lanning is identifying the right talent yep. to build his teams that way. If that in itself is a skill. Like, it, it, it does help to be able to get any player you want, financially, recruiting, whatever, but it is a talent to find truly the right fit for the team and the scheme. And I, I think that's the thing that we see with Landing is you can make fun of the losses he's had with Washington, Oregon State last year. That's fine. But you can't also sit there and tell me you don't see what's happening or yep. you can't see what's coming. Yep. And I think that's the exciting thing because I want to talk about that. How good this Oregon team looks. And I get it. They have a loss three weeks ago. But you've seen what they've been post that loss. You've seen what the team that won's been post that loss. How does this team stack up right now in terms of how people are feeling? We'll get to that coming up next on The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. YouTube.com backslash 1080TheFan is where you can find us on video form. Audio is obviously 1080 AM. Odyssey app, 99.5 HD2. The listeners are really enjoying clown mask nanny cam during breaks. It's a it's a hit today on YouTube. Well, can we correct it on the YouTube stream <laughs> if we're going to comment on it? And that's that's great. I'm glad people are enjoying it. I'm not a clown. I'm Jonathan Smith today. So I'm just going to let that hang right there. Just let it hang. Let it hang. We'll talk about that. I have a lot of I have a lot of thoughts. A lot of thoughts. Okay. Like Harbaugh, a lot of milk. A lot of thoughts. <laughs> But we're talking about Oregon. They win at Utah. Yes. Bo Nix is getting the Heisman love. And the I'm Ducks with you on rolling. the Heisman thing, by the way. Like, I, I, if he is to end up winning it, it would be like Oregon wins out, quarterback, best team kind of thing. He would be one of those Heisman winners. Well, that's, yeah, that's kind of like how I view it right now is yep. uh, uh, I, I think we're just, we're reaching for the narrative-based stuff. Sure. And I said this last week, I, and he's got a great opportunity. LSU is not in the playoff, but LSU has Bama this weekend. They do. If Daniels puts up stupid stats, like if you go look at the betting favorites, Knicks has the same odds as Jordan Travis. Yeah. Does that surprise you? 
No, Travis has been up and down a little bit this year, but Florida State's undefeated, and again, that's a quarterback undefeated team thing. I don't think he's been their best player, and I think to the point of Oregon, you can make an argument there's been times that Bucky Irving's been the most important and best offensive player you have. Right. Florida State has been Keon Coleman, but quarterback undefeated team, one loss team, like you're going to get that recognition. Well, I, I don't think I'm step overstepping a line here, and yes, I'm doing this a little early because we still have a month of football left, and sometimes, as Sukanik says, what? Crazy things can happen, man. No, I was going for the oh. football's football. Oh, football's football. I, I thought you, you watch the most football. How do you not know the phrases? Like, what are Fo- you doing here? Football is football. Yes, it is. You know, I'm not offended by that statement, but man, that's a ballsy thing to just say out loud. Like, <laughs> nobody watches more than I do. Like, it doesn't offend me, but it is kind of funny to say that out loud. Yeah. I, I love the confidence in which you said it. I mean, when you're when you're cocky sniffing a little bit, I'm cocky sniffing today. There's, oh, yeah. There's a little bit of that. I, I, I was met you're with peacocking, a Captain. lot of pushback on a DJ Fafita point that I made, yeah. and I haven't seen a lot of Beaver fans defend DJ late in that game, so, you know. Yeah, we'll get to that coming up. Thank oh. you for bringing me to my hellscape early. No, no problem. I, I understand you need seasons to to finish, to get to a certain point, but I, I'm just going to be honest with how I feel. I watched your team. I'm evaluating just like as a media type how I feel and what I'm seeing. They really remind me of the 2014 team, and I know that team got all the way to the pinnacle, and I, re- I was doing a show with you that night. You thought, we're going to win this game. We have a third-string quarterback on the other side. Yeah, talk about painful losses. Well, yeah, and then Zeke Elliott <laughs> happened. Yeah. Uh, but – but you got to the the national championship game is my point, mm-hmm. and I don't know if Oregon will. But man, I I just can't find a whole lot of weakness. They, defensively, they they feel like they found themselves. Offensively, they're humming right now. Again, a month left, but I I kind of tend to do this with every team in college football that's really good. This Oregon team kind of reminds me of that 2014 team, just balanced, really good on both sides, and you trust the quarterback. Yeah, I, I think everybody's feeling really good about the final month of the season with the caveat of college football stupid. Stupid things happen. The sport doesn't make any sense sometimes, and you cannot take your eye off of that possibility. Um, I remember in 2019... Oregon being a one-loss team. It's part of the reason why I chuckle with Oregon State's reaction to my comments on Friday. I remember in 2019 being the same way Beaver fam was on Friday when people threw out the notion of Oregon could lose at Arizona State. And I remember it was John Wilner who said it. You know, no team has ever gone 9-0 and in conference play. Yep. Oregon lost their opener to Auburn. They had rattled off all those wins in a row. They were 9-1 and with two games to go. And he said, I'm just going to take Arizona State because nobody's ever been 9-0 in conference play, and I think they're going to trip up here. And I remember being ups- like, how dare you pick my team to lose? How dare you throw out the idea they don't beat Arizona State? That's a bad team. They're below 500. They have a freshman quarterback. No chance it happens. And then you're watching, and you're like, oh, God, college football's stupid. Yeah. Stupid things can happen. If I would have told you two weeks ago that Washington was going to struggle at home and be lucky to beat Arizona State and then struggle on the road the next week and be lucky to beat Stanford, you would have laughed at me and said, there's no chance. We all three took. Washington to cover to cover a 28-point spread down on the farm this weekend. Ah, oh, they'll bounce back. They're not going to do it back-to-back weeks. Yeah. They had their letdown game. Washington will be back. The sport doesn't make any sense sometimes. Oregon feels great. I think you just passed the toughest test remaining on your schedule. That doesn't mean you're going to win out and it's going to be a cakewalk. you got to bring it every single week, and everybody has that reality in their mind. Here is the thing, though, that keeps me going and confident as a fan. There have been times that Oregon teams over the years have been Similar to a Washington team, Washington team this year where they're dominant offensively and that overcomes other weaknesses on their roster, but there are weaknesses elsewhere on the roster and eventually you worry, will that rear its ugly head? 
this is an incredibly balanced team. Yeah, it where's has the been weakness all to year? You? Camden Lewis in a big kick, maybe, if you want to go yeah. there because of the end of the Washington game. But defensively, I Get think... Get closer, and he won't be as uh, <laughs> shaky, I think. Defensively, I think they're the best team in the conference. I don't really have doubts in my mind about that. UCLA's numbers are a little bit better, but they didn't play a Power 5 team at non-conference, and they have not played Washington on the road in Seattle. So They'll Also beat like a really... Beat a good team. Beat a team, you yeah, I mean? exactly. Team. Uh, so I would, t- I would take Oregon's defense over basically anybody in the conference this year. Yeah. Their rushing attack is as good, if not better, than literally any team in the conference this year. You could say their passing attack isn't quite maybe what a USC with Caleb Williams or a Washington with Penix is, but you're splitting hairs at that it's good point. good enough. You're good enough. Yeah. You have an NFL wide receiver on the outside. They have one of the best offensive lines in the conference. Like, this is a complete football team. Yeah. And there's been years we're rooting for a team that, hey, they're, they're propped up because of your quarterback or you're propped up because of what you're doing offensively, but your defense is a liability and you got to bend but not break. This Oregon team doesn't have that reality, and that's that's the biggest argument going for them right now is they are a complete football team more so than anybody else in the Pac-12. Is there – I I know how you are. You operate in the I don't want to jinx things category. Yes. Is there a team, though, they remind you of? Not like that their season's going to end the same way, but you just see them and they kind of strike a chord with you of this team. I've heard some 2011s. I've heard some 2012s. <laughs> yeah. I've heard some 2010s. I've heard some 2014s. I personally kind of identify 14 because of your quarterback experience, uh-huh. your offensive line, your running attack. And I, you look, Franklin is amazing. He had a couple drops, but Franklin did, is yeah. really good. Tess Johnson is outstanding. He is the Tyler Lockett of the Pac-12 this year, and he has great... I mean, I you don't even hear the, the other names anymore. I, I barely hear about Holden... I don't. What happened to Chris Hudson? Is he hurt? He has not been hurt. I wouldn't be surprised if that ends up being a transfer situation. That's unbelievable. He's he played was, in less than four games, I believe. This yeah, year. you don't yeah. even see him play. And then the the freshman who wants to wear ninety nine, ninety nine, Jerry and Dickey. How's that going? Like, that's how good Tess Johnson's been. He's yeah. on the field. He has to be on the field. So, you know, I don't. I don't know how that, again how their season's going to end because as we point out, football is football, but. <laughs> I, I just, I don't know. They kind of have the makings of that team. A really good defense and sound offense that you trust because of uh, the quarterback. Yeah, I, I don't, it's hard to compare them because I I think you can make a pretty strong argument this is the best Oregon has been defensively, maybe ever. And that, to me, sets them apart. Where I think, I would argue the 2014 team with Marcus Mariota, I think he was a better college quarterback than Bo Nix. I don't mean that as any disrespect to Nix. Uh, he's in a great system, but I would take Mariota probably over Nix if that's a debate that we're going to have. I, I don't he, want to debate he won it. the Heisman Trophy, sure. right? So I would argue they were more reliant on him and his explosive big plays and all that. And the defense was more of a bend, don't break. Not that that defense didn't have a lot of really talented players. I trust this Oregon's def- this Oregon defense more than I did those in the past. Do you trust the defense more than the offense? Uh, that's... <laughs> Because I think I do. I might, yeah. You know, I, I, I might. know they gave up a 30 spot to Washington, but that's a damn good offense and hard to Here's slow Here's the thing, down. though. This is the frustrating part about that loss, ultimately, for me. And I know we got to go. But yeah. if you convert three yards, mm-hmm. three yards, you hold Washington to 27 points and, and Michael Penix to roughly 260 passing yards. Yes. And I said that the Monday after the game, that if you convert that fourth down, you milk the clock, the game is over. That would have been the narrative of like, oh my God, you went on the road against an offense that nobody could stop and held them below 30 and their quarterback below 300 passing yards, held them to what, seven points in the second half at that point? That was all they had scored on their opening drive of the second half. Like, 
that that would have been the storyline, but you don't get the yards. Washington goes on to win it, and now it's a conversation about fourth downs instead. They they had an incredible second half in Seattle that just was blown up because of not being able to pick up three yards. Well, uh, I don't know where people would, would label it, but this year's team is pretty damn impressive. That was really physical, just pound your opponent into the ground football in Salt Lake City by Oregon as they beat the Utes. And they continue on. Uh, let's let's go to the other in-state school. Let's do it. I'm wearing the head coach's costume today. Oregon State loses at the desert to Arizona. A lot of thoughts and feelings on it. We're faking field goals 25 yards out with the kicker running it. Really? That's a thing? We'll get to it next. It's been a- After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. If your day sounds like. We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through. You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medellin, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. That's where an agent who is a realtor comes in to navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Remind me, Rod Gilmore, I don't get it to be a drop. That's pretty good. Uh, Before we get to anything from the game, this is a very surface-level thing that I would like to throw out. First off, by the way, shout-out to the Beaver fans who have been sticking through the show today. There's nothing worse than when your team gets a tough loss, their rival gets a big win, and the, the... you could not be more on opposite ends of the spectrum. Oh, I know. So, shout, it's always hard. I, we, I remember Duck fans tweeting, I'm not going to tune in Monday. I can't take it. Like, ah, oh, man up. Tune into the show, you <laughs> bitch. Um, I'm going to throw this out there before we get to anything. You bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that on Saturday night, can I file that to the sports Emmys as the worst broadcast you have ever watched in your entire life? It's certainly in the conversation, Andrew. I would say, though, in that specific moment, I went, yes, Rod Gilmore, you are (laughs) spot on right now. Oh, sure. In that moment, he was right. The play-by-play guy called them the Ducks multiple times, called them Oregon multiple times. Our P1 Ralph tagged us in a video, and it was like one of seven times. And then at the end, he says, Oregon runs for eight. State. Yeah, he added. He had to add the state because I think the producer was like, "Yo, you keep calling them the Ducks," and he's finally like, "Hey, the Oregon State. What are we doing here? You're an ESPN broadcaster. Well, now you see why the relationship. This isn't the CW. What is happening? Well, this is why the relationship was not going to go forward with them. It just they don't they don't care about it. I just okay. I just wanted to get that out of the way. There's a lot. There's a ton of things Oregon State fans want to talk about. If you want to gripe to me about the broadcast, totally fair. I thought it was horrible. The it mic, the mic issues were bad. Yeah. He was yeah, a wannabe mic Gus was Johnson. Like, I don't know what was going on. Yeah, that horrible. Was, that was really bad. Let's get to the elephant in the room. My co-host is wearing a clown mask, and uh, uh, he is, uh, he's wearing a Jonathan Smith mask. Thank you. That is what he is dressed. You just got to start rubbing your nipples aggressively. That's what you got to do. Please, somebody grab that on YouTube. 
Please, somebody grab yeah, that. Yeah, they did. Uh, they did not milk the clock properly at the end of that <laughs> first half. So let's get to it. Uh, end of the half. Do we? I'm assuming. Is there an audio bit yes. in here? Okay. I have the have explanation yeah. of what was that. Okay, we don't need to play the play again. We just heard it. Here's the explanation. What, what were you thinking, Jonathan? Ultra aggression, and that starts with me, and, and it shouldn't have been. You know, we put the fake in. We actually had it called when we took the delay earlier on the fake field goal. And uh, once we took the delay, backed it up and kicked it. And then ultra aggression, I don't exactly remember, but asking Atticus to score from 20 yards out. You know, we had the look, we wanted all of that, but it was just a bad call at the, at the time. There's some momentum that you can take three points into halftime. We had prepped the thing for two weeks because we had a bye, you know, and I was just chomping at the bit to get the thing called because the picture, what we anticipated, and really what we got was uh, a pretty good look. But the, the logic, going into the thing was a fourth down medium fourth and five six you know and i just rolled the dice on that one and hindsight was not good i love the you know <laughs> he's clearly going through it yeah horrible call yeah and it backfired i i will i was thinking to myself at the end of that game i'll, I'll let you go here in a second First off, the onside kick was on the ground for like a half hour, it felt like. I thought Bolden was going <laughs> like, to grab it. I'm like, somebody's going to grab it. They just didn't jump on just, it. I'm like, somebody's going to pick this up. I was freaking out of like, don't let Oregon State win this way. I was ready to cocky sniff on Monday. Don't let them come back. Well, I sent out a tweet. And I'm like, oh my God, they scored in a minute. And then I'm like, what did they get the onside kick? It was that, was, that was a crazy play. I will maintain though, scoring that last touchdown for Oregon State was probably a bad thing because then it, of course, left the final score being what it was. You lost by three. The decision loom if you don't yeah. score that final touchdown in four plays 75 yards with the two minutes to go and the final score of that game's what 27 17 or whatever it would have been yeah maybe there's a, maybe there's a quite a little bit different feeling but you scored the touchdown you lose by three one of the all-time bad blunders how are we doing today uh well you can tell we're not doing well um i didn't take it very well it took me about an hour to go to sleep i um I, I just think when people that you don't ever put into a certain category do things that surprise you, it like lingers. And Jonathan making that play call decision, Dirt, I, I'm trying not to overreact, but that might be top five worst coaching decisions I've ever seen in my life given time, place, moment for team. And I know, hyperbolic, you could point to NFL coaches, other college football coaches, I'm sure you can. You were 25 yards out where they actually were holding the snap. We watched you fake the field goal prior, and then the play got called dead. And to act as if Arizona didn't know that was going to come was crazy because I was like, you literally just ran this in a dead play. You did. A delay a game. And my other thing is, I, I'm just not like a bit, once in a while faking something to catch somebody off guard. Ah, okay, okay. Atticus Sappington is not running 25 yards on the on the Arizona defense. If you want to run the football from 25 yards out, can we just, you know, give it to the second leading rusher in the Pac-12, the Pac-12 freshman in the year last year? Can we just do that? Is that is that a hard choice? I put up a poll question. Who would you rather have run 25 yards, Martinez or Sappington? Somehow, and I think this is the trolling, Sappington has 30% of the vote so far, so that's making me feel great. And I want to go vote for him. <laughs> I, I just, and there's nothing you can do. Like, there's not an answer that's going to satisfy how pissed off Oregon no. State fan is today. No. That's his answer. You ask him again, he's going to kind of say the same thing. Eventually, he's going to be asked so many times, where he's like, I've already gone over this. Like, it was a all-time dumb blunder that cost his team – 
in a season where I would readily admit they don't look like they're on the same level as Oregon or Washington, but at least it would have given you another week of just just get through this, yeah, right? Yeah. We talked about going nine and one going into Washington. Well, that's gone. That's dead. And and we can talk a lot about Oregon State's offense, the play calling. But I just I could not get that play call out of my head. It's totally fair. Given everything that they had ahead of them and the opportunity they had, and there's a real conversation of I don't know what happens on the road, but he is just not the same coach. That coaching staff is not the same coaching staff. And I was trying to play the opposite side of not worried about road woes. And then you had a game that you should have won, and you grabbed it from yourselves and you gave it to the other team. Yeah. Like ah. I, I can't I cannot believe today, Monday morning, I'm telling you that Jonathan Smith made that play decision. I just I cannot believe it. And there's no explanation that's gonna make it right or make me feel better. It's just an all time dumb coaching decision on the road. One of the worst calls you will ever see. And I there is no excuse for it. There's no rationale for it. There's I, I got, no defending I had, it. I, like, I had Beaver fan like, oh, it looked like Dan Lanning. Excuse me. Yeah, that, that's, stop That's it. not the same thing <laughs> That's at unfair all. to Dan Lanning. You don't have to like the Dan Lanning play decisions <laughs> on fourth down at the end of the first half, in the second half, and at the end of the game. Yeah, it's a fourth and two from the three-yard line. It's a little bit different than a fake field goal from the 25. Yeah, that's not the same thing at all. You, you gave the game away, and I just, I have... Look, I don't even I don't want him fired. I'm not going to that level here. Like he's a really good coach still to me. Yeah. But man, you you cost your your, your team a dream season potentially. You really did. Now they can still be 10 and 2, like that's the dream, right? Uh-huh. Or 9 and 3. That's a really damn good season in in Oregon State. But to lose a game that I personally think they should have won is incredibly frustrating. Those are the worst. And to make that decision in that moment, I just I cannot believe that even went through his head. It, it wasn't even just that call, though, too, in that moment because they were driving there at the end of the first half. They picked up a first down with 25 or so seconds, whatever it was, left. Decided to not call a timeout when they had two in their hip pocket. Oh, yeah. Instead of taking, because they were on the 20-whatever yard line. I mean, you can, with 25 seconds left in one timeout, you can still use the middle of the field. You can still take a couple of shots at the end zone. Instead, they don't call timeout they kind of slowly get to the line of scrimmage by the time dj and this is also on dj he's done moving around and scrambling in the pocket throws the ball out of bounds there's eight seconds to go like you let 17 seconds run off the clock in that moment and so it was a double-edged sword to me a mistake of like dude call timeout take as many shots as you can there and then obviously kick the field goal because that's this isn't going for it on fourth down this isn't a surprise onside kick this isn't just being a little let's go for two this isn't those levels of aggression which i will usually defend because I like when coaches are aggressive this is one that there's you cannot in any way shape or form look me in the eye and give me the rationale behind that call making sense. He most, couldn't do it. No, he heard his answer. Most calls will make, like, I'll get it. Like, I, hey, I might disagree. Onside kick against Cal. A lot of Beaver fans were against that. I get you're up 14-3. You, you got the look you wanted. We can put an end to this game right now. Okay. You, we can disagree about the results of it, obviously. But at least you can look me in the eye and explain your decision making to me. There's no sort of explanation that makes this make sense. I want to Let's continue on this on the other side. We're already long there. Uh, your thoughts are welcome, Beaver fans. 503-864-6326. That is the Vancouver Ford text on. You can hit us up in the YouTube chat. I want to just kind of wrap this up and then move on to the rest of the game because there was a lot of other things to break down from the Oregon State-Arizona game. And we're back talking about it more next on The Fan. 
This one's going to take a while to unpack, so we're going to get to it more in the final hour because uh, there's a lot of other angles of this game that I want to talk about. That's the tough part when you lose a game like this. It, there's, there's a focal point on one play. Rightfully so. It's one of the worst calls I've ever seen. But there's also a lot of other reasons that Oregon, like they didn't just lose this game because of one call. They had many chances in the second half. Hell, I thought when they were up 17-13 with the ball after forcing Arizona to punt, this game's over, man. They're going to run the clock, and here comes Damian Martinez, and this game's going to be over in very short form. And that did not quite happen either. But, you know, a lot of texts were coming in at the Vancouver Four text line about the decision-making and the idea. One Beaver fan is defending it, saying, uh, come on, Lanning did the same, said the same thing. They had the look they wanted. They didn't execute. There's a defense on the other side. Stop. This is results-based shame. No, it's not. It's not the same thing. You can spin it however you want to feel better about it. It's not. Did Dan Lanning run a kicker 25 yards out at the end of the first half? Okay, it's not the same thing. I get it. Like, it it sucks today. Your team lost. We lost it to Arizona. They shouldn't have lost the game. Oregon looks amazing. Oregon looks like they might go to the playoff. I get the feelings are really raw right now. It's not remotely the same thing. It is beyond idiotic to run a field goal kicker 25 yards through the edge of a defense. It just, when does that work? Yeah. Like, you're going to point to some game, 1997, Spring. 2002 spring. Cool. You gave me two examples in the last 80 years of your life. Like, I'm sorry. It's not the same thing. It's it's just not something I ever thought that coach would choose to do. I get no. being ballsy and going for it. That's not the same thing. You want to trot DJ and them out there and go, no, we're going to score. Yeah, we're going to go for it on fourth down. I, I even whatever, think then yeah. he would get some backlash, but at least you're you're trusting your offense, your actual playmakers to go try to score yeah. instead of your field goal kicker. What In what world is a guy named Atticus running 25 yards through the teeth of a defense and scoring from 25 yards out? I just It's a hell of a name. Stop with that. You can miss me with it. I, I also tweeted out kind of the same thing, like that play is an all-time dumb blunder. They did not lose the game simply just because of that. It's easy to look at the final score and say, well, there's the three points. Yeah, but if they don't score on that last drive and they lose by 10, I think it's a bit of a, You're still like, what the hell were you doing there? But it doesn't quite burn as much, I think. Well, I, I would actually make the same argument you just made, which is what I did. Like, you were up 17-13 to 13 yeah. with 11.50 left in the fourth quarter and the ball. Where was the running attack? Martinez averaged 6.2 yards a carry at seven carries in the second half. It's unbelievably bad play calling, piss poor tackling, and just atrocious coaching decisions. It was it the entire coaching staff, in some regards, let Oregon State down. Now there's varying degrees of how you can power rank it. Uh, the defense wasn't the worst in the world. I just thought their tackling was really poor, and that's kind of been a theme for them this season. Yeah, the tackling in space was a struggle. Playing McCoy because you don't have Cooper is brutal. He got destroyed by McMillan. Um, or T-Mac, as they just kept wanting to tell you on the broadcast. T-Mac! But damn it, dude, you cannot have possessions where you're not running the football with Damian Martinez. Those are moments that make and it cost you kids into the portal. Run the football. It's yeah. your bread and butter. It's your identity. It's ridiculous. I Can I try and sum up the, the... I feel like Oregon State fans are in a conundrum right now. And both, it's okay to acknowledge that both these things are true. Like sometimes you'd look for an absolute one direction or the other. And the reality is usually somewhere in the middle of a debate. That being like, Jonathan Smith is an incredible coach. What he has done at Oregon State to revive the program 
is remarkable. Like, Oregon State is not here in the position they're in, complaining about a second loss, looking at a 9-3 and season or an 8-4 and season as a disappointment. Like, that, he is the reason for that. And so there's always that truth that you have to acknowledge, while also on the other side of the coin, wondering aloud, is he ever going to learn the issue of being overly aggressive in certain moments? And is he ever going to figure out how to get big wins on the road? That's see, like, I, like I there's think two that's sides. The sure, there and there's two sides of this coin though, and it's okay. Like I feel like fans want to rush to one corner or the other, where it's like Jonathan Smith's an idiot, and I can't, like, this is ridiculous, and he should be in on the hot seat, blah blah blah. While also there's other sides that just want to defend him no matter what he does because Oregon State wouldn't be here without him. You're right. The right. reality is somewhere in the middle, man. Like Jonathan Smith's incredible. His turnaround at Oregon State has been amazing. He is a phenomenal head coach that for whatever reason in certain moments can make a really bad decision and he just cannot pick up that win. On A lot of teams struggle to win on the road, man. It is not an easy thing to do, and it's a huge mark of maturation and growth in a program. Right. He has not been able to solve that conundrum yet. He hasn't yet, and I'm, I don't even know where I'm at confidence-wise this weekend. You can tell me how bad Colorado is. I don't I'll know. I'll tell you. They're going to kill Colorado. I will, we'll I will, I'll we'll say see that on Monday. That. Like, go, go do it then. Like, I think I'm, they're going to run it down their throat. I'm kind of tired of sitting here and – and look, he is the guy for the job. There is no questioning about that. Without Jonathan Smith, Oregon State is Pittsburgh or Boston College. They're an irrelevant team that nobody talks about because they can't get talent. This is where the talent gap kind of shows itself. You talked about this on Friday. The talent gap between Arizona and Oregon State. And Beaver fans, some Beaver fans push back to that. That's actually true. And I think that's the hard part with this, too, is as mad as I am, as frustrated as Beaver fan is... There, there's just dirt. There's a real possibility, and I've been here for a while, but like seasons change and expectations can fluctuate. There's just a real, there's a real possibility that this is just always going to be a nine and three, ten and two at best season type of program. Yeah, eight and four and down years, seven and five and down years, nine and three, ten and two type of team because they do not recruit and they do not portal the amount of talent. The likes of Washington, Oregon, USC, UCLA. It's just different. And I, I I think I come in upset, jokingly, you know, displaying my anger. But also, like, I love that he's the coach. I don't want him to go anywhere. There's no hot seat conversation. No. But it is weird how just statistically they are not remotely close to the same team on the road. Yeah. And I think that's where the talent gap shows. You can get up for your home games, but... It's a tough place to play, man. Well, it's not just Arizona, though. They they go on the road to these really decent, middle-of-the-road good teams, and they don't play well. Washington State, like, what was that start? Yeah. And and they've had this problem. They continue to have it. As you note, it's hard to win on the road. Dan Landing in Oregon just had their first big road win of his tenure in year two. Mm-hmm. But I, I just... I don't get it. I, I guess I just lose the disconnect of how a team can be so disciplined execute so well at home and then go on the road and just throw up all of themselves almost all the time. Yeah. Well, I want to get to a couple more thoughts. We've got a lot of thoughts rolling in. Uh, we'll start the final hour more on this game because I want to get to the area that I thought Oregon State lost, and we, we got into it a little bit there, so we'll continue on that. Your thoughts are welcome. Fire them away. we got a ton of other things to get to in the final hour, including that just keeps getting worse and worse and worse, so it is loaded. Don't go anywhere. Dirt and Sprague on 1080 The Fam. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. 